What's happening, my people? It's me again. You are locked into another episode of Meg Talks, the people's platform home to queer POC millennial conversation. You know what? I usually go into my swirl about big up yourself, but I actually want to take a minute just to reflect because peeps, I just want to say a massive thank you for rocking with me. You know, I I only realised a couple of weeks ago, the podcast has been around for just over a year now. Like, the first Friday in March this year was the annual birthday and it completely slipped me. I was just completely immersed in just creating. So we're here, we're one years old in a few weeks. Um, and the reason why we've been able to kind of stick this out for so long is firstly because you guys as the audience always come back, always show me love, you guys keep me motivated. I love it. I absolutely love being in this space with you, man. And on top of that, the guests. What? <laughs> At the end of the day, it's the guests that bring the content, that bring the fire, you know? So I just wanted to take a moment just to pause and say a massive, massive thank you. And if you're locked in for the first time, it's a banger. This is a fantastic episode to get to know the podcast and to find out what we're about. You know, you can check out every single episode on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. And if you're not sure... Just whack Meg Talks into the Google search search engine function and it will come up. I'm surprised. I'm seeing the podcast pop up in all different places. So, I mean, if you haven't got access to those platforms, just hit up Google, man, and it will redirect you. Anyway, peeps, for this episode, I am here with a phenomenal talent. I have been waiting um, for this conversation to happen because, guys, it's going to be lit. You know, this person goes by a musician, you know, an artist at that, modeling a real, real mixed bag, a real mixed bag of creativity here. And we're, I'm going to try and unpack all of this as best <laughs> as I can in the next hour or so. So first and foremost, let's big up my homie, I've been in the building. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. How's your week been? Before we even get into it, man, how's your week been? What have you been up to? Ooh, it's always a blur when people ask me that. It's it's um it's so varied, I guess, which I'm grateful for, but it's a busy time. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's been a lot of writing. I've got a play coming out. Mm-hmm. So a lot of writing and um admin, um, uh, Barbican Young Poet this year, so I had that this week, the one of the last sessions before our showcase. Um, yeah, I'm trying to rest too and see friends, but I think it's just been so busy. I I don't know. Sometimes it's such a blur, but um, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How has this week been for me? Where did this week start? Because it was Bank Holiday Monday. Just to kind yes. of, it feels like that was quite a while ago now. Yeah, so I started the week on a good note you know very very well rested big up to the 420 mandem hey. <laughs> it was our week today you know so <laughs> so um yeah overall from a kind of i think lifestyle perspective you know it's been nice i've been able to spend time with the people that i want to mm. be in my vibe without too much um disturbance from external influences you know you know that's hard when you especially when you live in a a major city like London there are a lot of things that can influence how you feel so that's been 
pretty good for the most part this week. Um, I've had some really big pressures the last couple of months, you know, work-wise. I'm going through some stuff with my health right now, which is pretty serious. And, you know, peeps, I'll probably talk about it after the fact because it's still quite sensitive, but it's really kind of just learning to live with those things mm-hmm. um, and wear them as part of my journey rather than as a weight in a backpack. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, these are all stories and narratives which form my ultimate life's memoirs. This is so true. Do you see where I'm coming from? And, and the other thing that I'll, I'll talk on is the fact that for all my Christian people, them, we've just finished Lent. So that was our holy time, you know, and it was incredibly, like, you get your challenges. When you're in your spiritual bag, you get your challenges and the tests and all of that. So it's nice to be at the other side and see how I can apply some of those, some of those things that I learned during Lent, you know. So it's been a complete whirlwind, a complete whirlwind of a week, but I'm grateful to be in this moment. And, you know, last thing I'll say, actually, that I learned this week that I, that really stuck is this concept of radical acceptance. Mad, okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. Yeah. Uh, When my my therapist said this, I I was almost triggered just at that statement. And um, so when she said that, I kind of did a little bit of research and I've been looking into something called Taoism. Mm. And um, it derives from like a a really old, ancient, old, well, that's the same thing, an ancient, an East Asian tradition and culture and way of being right and it's very i would say minimalist in some ways um it it's more focused on how someone processes the world around them to kind of sustain your own personal sense of peace do you see where i'm coming from so it's like someone can't offend you unless you choose to be offended mad do you understand where I'm coming from? But surely, like, that's your triggers will, like, your life experience will have triggers. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's how you deal with the triggers? Yes. Okay. Exactly that, right. because what, what you're talking about there is the in-between part. Right. But there's the start point of someone doing or saying something, and then how you respond to that, and how, and it's how you perceive what has happened, which ultimately defines the end result. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if someone's telling the truth, Right, say now someone makes a comment, it offends you, and there's an element of truth. You're actually offended by being presented with a truth that you may not sit comfortably with yet. Right? Or, yeah, so it's just kind of understanding what are the mechanisms within a scenario and really dealing with those in a way to kind of sustain your peace. And I'm not saying it like it's an easy thing or I've even mastered it, but it was a concept that really has stuck with me this week in that, you know, I've had many opportunities to be offended. I was like, shit, but it's true. <laughs> oh, it's like, God damn, there's too much truth in it. And I've got to learn to be stronger in the truth with facing some of the truths that you don't want to hear. Well, you know, shadow, mm-hmm. like your shadow and all of that. Sometimes though. Yeah, go for when it. When you were saying like, oh yeah, it's like faced with a truth. Sometimes I'm learning as well. I feel like, this is something but like Mm. I'm learning that sometimes there are truths and sometimes you'll hear something and you'll register a truth or you'll register something that maybe you're insecure about and Mm -hmm. it's like okay how do I deal with that but sometimes as well people be people can project 100% people can project and I think that 
it's understanding and it's like sometimes when something comes to you and you're like oh okay I'm not really sure why that person said that it's trying to navigate okay what part is 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 coming up for me and how does that how am I processing what they've said but also what's coming up here that maybe they're protecting and maybe they are kind of because some people bring themselves to the conversation Mm. And then you bring yourself too. So you'll react in a certain way, but they're also bringing themselves. Yeah. So you have to separate the parts that are other people and separate the parts that are you and realize, okay, why am I either triggered or affected by this? What does it mean for me? How can I separate myself from it, but also learn from it? Yeah. And so it's finding the balance. That in itself defines, is a really good definition of what they talk about in Taoism. Mm-hmm. It is that. And you've been able to, in a really elegant way, break down that process because it's the exploration and the understanding of why you're in this situation and why you feel the way you do about the situation to kind of come to that point of okay cool I accept that this is what it is I I accept the situation and this is what it's presented me with I might not feel 100% comfortable with that but that's my process to understand why I'm not comfortable and get to a place where I feel comfortable so my personal state of being is not affected by what has happened ultimately externally but I think you've just explained it person really really well and actually going back to the la- the um soundbite in the last Instagram post I was kind of talking a bit around the process that the journey that I've been on not to own other people's shit mm. do you get where I'm coming from because I'm neurodivergent as a starting point. And I think because of my lived experiences in that space, how do I even begin to define that? It's such, what sprang to my mind is such a big idea that I'm struggling to kind of put it into words. Let me circle around the block on that. Actually. <laughs> but before we even get cracking into the conversation, because I think we can jump straight into the topics. We can get, clearly, but but you know what? I want to get to know you a little bit and kind of just introduce you. So first and foremost, let's let's get cracking. So what are your preferred pronouns? Uh, yeah, my pronouns are they, them. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you identify on the gender spectrum if you, if you identify at all? Mm. This is a day-to-day um, navigation, but I guess, yeah, right now, I would say that I, yeah, identify as a non-binary person. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's still, I guess, the specifics of it is still yet to be placed, but I feel like non-binary encapsulates because I just, I feel like I'm just so fluid. Every single day, mm. I feel different. Every single day, some things arise are either a challenge or euphoria. Um, and, and the ways in which I present, it, it, it switches day by day. And I'm constantly trying to, yeah, degender the fashion and, and how I perceive myself. And, and I think I first came out as non-binary um, to myself in, I want to say it was lockdown. It was a blur. <laughs> but I feel like it was, it was like ending 2020 or like, Oh my goodness! It's been it's been two years. It's coming up to two years now. Okay. I think um, I think it was May twenty twenty. Um, yeah, and I think when I first came out, I think I was kind of like, 
almost running away from femininity because that's something that had been placed on me so heavily because I was always seen as a very feminine person in terms of like my body and how sexualized it was throughout school and Mm. and just throughout life very immediately and so I think I was running from that for so long but I'm also now coming back to um like a place where I'm circling back and I'm like actually Mm. I'm so vast and as as human beings were so complex and we're so vast and trying to accept my complexity and and running towards femininity as well as my masculinity as well as like nowhere in between like just like that in between and just like open space and yeah I think we all have capacity for that and I think yeah acknowledging that for me um looked like yeah realizing that I was non-binary and then like prior to um identifying as non-binary and connecting with that term how would you prefer to have been identified before if that did exist or Mm. I feel like I just that's an interesting one. I and I was thinking about this yesterday and it was quite emotional. Um mm. when I was thinking about it. I guess I don't think I preferred a certain way. I think I was I was born and I was given. You right. know? Right. I was born and I was given girlhood. I was born and I was given an assumption of who I was and what I was. And so I think I just moved through the world being and behaving a way that I thought I needed to behave. Mm. Um, but I but I was thinking about it and it's, TikTok is a very wonderful place, actually. I was running from it for a long time. But I think that it's allowed me to, as I'm navigating the world and as I'm getting to know more people, I'm getting to know people who have similar experiences to me. So I feel less alone in that sense. But un- until then, like, and as I'm getting closer to people, sometimes TikTok is that place or Instagram was that place where I was starting to learn about myself and trying to understand the so many broad ranges of what it means to be non-binary. And that really held me. But I guess specifically about your question, there was this TikTok yesterday and they were like, for my non-binary people, um, does anyone mourn the girl? Mm. or the like the yeah specifically the girl um that person was talking about that you that you were given or that you identified as and it felt so sad because I think that I was thinking about it and I and I'd acknowledged this before I'd watched that TikTok but I think it's because there with a certain gender or with certain roles that we are given I think especially as queer people will probably identify with this a lot is you're given certain roles that society holds as like the norm. And so when you're deferring away from it because it's better for you and it's better for your mental health, you start, there's a lot, I guess there will be certain things you mourn because a certain way that you're given to navigate through the world is seen as easier and it it, it makes moving through the world slightly easier mm-hmm. you know being mm-hmm. black and queer there's like now there's several things to work through in terms yeah. of wanting to to be and feel safe and I think maybe it was to do with that but it's also yeah I think making peace I don't know it's making peace with the uh, the girl I used to be the girl that maybe exists in me because I'm fluid but also acknowledging that femininity is something I can run towards, but I know it's it's an interesting it's an interesting process. It's an interesting process, degendering, but also acknowledging all the parts in me, and I guess the girl that I was given, and how that girl got me up to this point, and I still nurture her, but I'm 
but she needed to go in order for me to be here in my fullness. You yeah, know? Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. It's interesting. Do you know, do, do you know that question mm. is a question I haven't heard before. Someone say, you know, have you, do you mourn the girl that you used to be? I've mm. never heard that question. And do you know what? Huh, what a question that needs to be asked because with me, I also prefer the they and them pronouns. Um, well, do you know what? My stance is, you see with pronouns, mm. I get it. I get why it's important. I think that vocabulary and terminology has to continue to advance mm -hmm. with the evolution of humankind mm -hmm. so that everybody feels that there, there are words, phrases, terms, language at, at large which reflects them and allows them to express what's deeply inside of them and sometimes quite hard to explain. Mm -hmm. That is very important. When I think about, for me, how I fit with pronouns, I. It would be cool if we just didn't have any. You know? Do you get where I'm coming from? Because the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah. But I'm almost forcing myself down a funnel now to kind of find the space. And I'm like, that doesn't feel organic to me. I'm just Meg. And you're just you. And my mum's just my mum. And my girlfriend is just my girlfriend. You know, and, and if we could get to a point where we can just be ourselves and recognise for being ourselves rather than having to be having to be placed in a category that helps other people to recognize us. Mm. Mm. That's where I would prefer to yeah, be. Yeah. Do you get where I'm coming from? So yeah. this is where like, when it comes to the pronouns now, mm. it's a it's not techie at all, because if it push comes to shove, all right, they, them, you know, because then, then I'm where I want to be, undefinable, mm. right? But in saying that now, when well, coming back round to morning of the girl, I've recently noticed me using the word she mm -hmm. and her for me. Whereas there was a point where I was very in my they and then back and I'm kind of in between. And I think that in between swing is speaking to what you just spoke of them, which I never thought about, you know? And it's like, I, there's a part of me that I'm a black woman. I've had this comment, yeah. This Do you understand? Like, first, before anything, I'm black. That is the first thing on the list, the first bullet point on my list. And I connect with being a black woman because I've got such a respect and value for black women in general that I have no issue with sitting alongside black women and being a part of that representation, you know? And like, I have no issue with that. Um, I think non-binary for me when it comes to the connection of being a black woman is that I guess the labels that are associated with being a black woman and the expectations and the pressure, because I can't fulfill that. I can't. Yo, if you're looking at me for a lace front wig, yo, it's a myth. <laughs> do, do you understand where I'm coming from? And I think that the non-binary thing for me, it's separate to the pronoun thing, but non-binary gives me the space to exist outside of expectations and just be free. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 I love the fact that like you, you've given your space to say, so, you know, I haven't got it all figured out and I'm still placing things and understanding cause my shit's swinging all about the place. I feel that. And I think like, there's two things, like it's what you said actually, like, but before I forget, 
you're like you know being non-binary allows you to yeah exist out of that and it just there was a certain point you said but like it reminded me of someone who really helped me on my journey there were a lot of people but Alok I I I I um I swear by Alok all Mm. the time and and Alok is just an incredible like non-binary human speaker presence in this world who's so necessary and um and they said like yeah being non-binary they've said quite a few things but I think one thing that stuck with me was the the concept of being non-binary and how that helped them how it helps me specifically to to find healing Mm. talk on that a little bit because that's an interesting point I think that this world forces us to have so many things like figured out and have so many expectations of what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to feel and how we're supposed to move and and I feel deep it, right? And I've been having this like realization so much. Every, like we know this, but like so many things are constructs, right? Mm. We're on this big floating ball of rock and and it's beautiful and there's so much to see and and we feel so disconnected from certain things like trees are being chopped down and like the peace that we feel when we're amongst nature and I know this feels like slightly tangential but I guess stick with me (laughs) like there's so many things that we should be connected to there's so many things that were taught and so many restrictions and I just I don't know I find it hard to like really encapsulate. But I think about the peace that I feel when I'm, when you're talking about bank holiday weekend and just being at the park and wearing my dress mm-hmm. and, and feeling very non-binary that day. Mm-hmm. Because what, what does what does non-binary look like? It doesn't look like anything. What does being human yes. look like? It doesn't look like anything, right? That, that part. Right? But I think as well, like we're taught a lot, like, okay, even in school when you're growing up Catholic, we're taught we are made in God's image. If we are made in God's image, God is complex, right? There's so many human beings, we're so complex and everything is a spectrum. When it, we're talking about skin color, we're even within blackness, there's a mm. spectrum of skin colors, there's a spectrum of everything. So mm. why does it, when it comes to gender, why is there just two? Why are we so fixated? Everything, I am about to pass out. Everything is a spectrum. Even the heat of food, spiciness. You can put, like, that's a spectrum. Everything. There's such a broad range of plants. Plants even aren't necessarily just, like, male, female. They've got several parts. You can find a mix of gender within plants. There is a spectrum of everything in this world. But when we come to gender, we're saying there is only two. How? And so when I realised I was non-binary, it allowed me to heal because... I think this isn't something that I talk about a lot, but I kind of have spoken about like, I guess mental health before. And um, when I was in, um, yeah. When I was in like year eight, like I had like a therapist and I was going to therapy quite a lot and it's not officially diagnosed, but it's like some anxiety disorders and things that like, I really struggled with in terms of like the unknown. I think, yeah, specifically like OCD, even though it wasn't like specifically finally diagnosed, but I struggled a lot with the unknown and it coming up a lot. 
um, and and certain things that, and certain phases that I struggled through. But I think non being non-binary kind of helped me to heal in that sense because it's the unknown. There's no set way to be non-binary. There's no set way to move through the world. You kind of define it for yourself. And mm. so in that process, I was able to find healing because I was like, wow, like we're in an open space right now and I have to like be okay with that. And what does that look like for me? How does sitting with myself look like? Um, and so it's really helped me to to love myself and to understand who 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 is this person that I'm fucking with? Who am Ooh. I? And and what does that look like day by day? And giving mm. myself the permission to do that—it's it's quite exciting. It's terrifying, but it's exciting. And 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 I guess naturally I lead towards how does your culture and your heritage mm. feed into into this melting pot of mm. identity, mm. right? Because I'm Caribbean, um, heritage from a couple of different islands, and my I'm still reconciling my beef <laughs> with um how homophobia shows up in my native countries and how that further creates separation between me the place where I really want to be that where my heart really yearns for because you know it's no um it's no secret um to those who tune in that I listen Give me a ticket to Jamaica. Rip up my British passport. I'm gone. I'm gone. I, you'll find me in the bush. In the bush with a one house amongst the leaves with a breadfruit tree, a green banana tree, planting tree, coconut tree. Doing the most. Growing yams. <laughs> I, I, I'm here. Yeah. Absolutely here for it, right? But there is this... Um, I guess uncertainty mm. is a good word um, around what that experience could look and feel like and would I be treated as less than over there than I am here. Mm. And then it kind of like, mm, is homophobia back home as bad as racism in this country? Mm -hmm. Because there's a narrow thing of pick your poison. Do you feel me? I feel you. So I, feel you. I, I, I have these ongoing conversations and feelings with myself. And some days I'm like, what? I'm in London. I'm in London, baby. You know, mm. and I'm so connected to all that it has to offer. And I have one idea and then in half an hour later, well, you know, maybe a few hours later, <laughs> I'm bringing it to life. It's happening. Um, really? But then there's days when I'm like, my heritage is from the bush. Mm. I'm with my family are rainforest people, you know, and, and that is as soon as you mentioned something about how we feel, how we connecting with um nature and you mentioned that cutting down trees and so on. When you put me in nature, it's like I come to life. It's not even like there needs to be a transition where I need to mentally it just happens. You know, so you know, I ask that question from a real place of curiosity because I'm still kind of Finding peace with the tension between gender, orientation, and culture. So first and foremost, where is your um, cultural background from? Um, Ghana. Hey, you're Ghana in the place, you know. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And in terms of generations, are you were you born in Ghana? Are you first generation, second generation? What's the setup? 
uh, I always get confused because I I was born here. Some of my parents were born in Ghana, so that okay, first generation, first generation, yeah, right, 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 go, go, go. Uh, and what would you say in general your relationship and your connection with Ghana is like? It's a weird one, you know. Like I write about Ghana so much, and I, yeah, like when it came to like, yeah, I guess the. Yeah, the homophobic laws that are brewing in in uh, my homeland right now. Um, I took to the streets. <laughs> I took to the streets. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, fortunate to be, uh, yeah, one of the uh, people who were organizing and LGBT uh, LGBTQIA Ghana solidarity um, is the name we kind of made for like Instagram and everything and. Yeah, I was was helping to organize and yeah, I was, uh, I guess, honored and grateful to be leading one of the protests as well back in, I think, I want to say like September of 2021 now. Um, and I write about it so much and I, I feel so pained by it and it, it faxes me. And But the, the crazy thing is like, I've only been three times in my life okay. which is mad and it's been it's coming up to like 10 11 years since i've been back mm. um but it's so ingrained in everything like my dad and my mom kept ghana alive for me so much my dad with the ananza stories and like the talks of it's um anansi the spider anansi the spider god of oh, okay anansi. i know it as um a Jamaican folktale, which is interesting. This is given so interesting. The, given the connection between God and Ghana. my connection with Ghana, we'll get into this in a bit, mm-hmm. is a lot closer than someone might initially think because mm-hmm. I'm Maroon Descendant. But we'll go. We'll Maroon go. Descendant? Stop. I was, oh my God. No. I guess okay, so let's so do it now. Let's do it now. <laughs> I was reading about the Maroons yesterday. Like, there's so much history, right? So much black history that is not taught, is just hidden. We have to mm. dig for it. Just the other day, because I was like fire. researching, they are fire. They are f- Listen, they they burn down the 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 yep plantations. Yep. They would raid it. Yep. They were on smoke. They was oh not on. My they were God. on the fuckery. The people were scared of them. The yeah. were scared of them. No one talks about them. Do you know what? Because there was a part. Um, there's a part of history which I think is very powerful that I. Mm take my sense of empowerment from in that there's a big part of land that was at the heart of slavery in terms of timeline. They said, all right, you know what, you man, we're going to sign the treaty. We're going to leave you alone. This is your land. We're not going to fuck with you. And they left us the fuck alone. And, you know, at different points within the colonization of the Jamaican island, you know, there were opportunities where people broke free. Some people said, fuck this. And they managed to cut, you know, when, because the Spanish had Jamaica prior to the English. So when there was that beef, obviously they're busy fighting each other. You know, the Jamaican man, them, gal them, and people then said, yeah, we're out. People bust out again. And it's this consistent escape and revolting and not having it. And when the British tried to come to certain grounds, um, they were just getting murked. They could not, but if you're rolling up in red, a red blazer and a white hat blowing your horn and you're trying to fight jungle people, you're just making, you've got a massive X on your back. 
you know so they just couldn't they they struggled to defeat us as a people and again we've got a, a there's a direct link from in terms of ancestry def- descending from Ghana mm-hmm. so I am really interested to hear kind of from a cultural point of view what it was like growing up uh, in a Ghanaian household mm-hmm. you know what it feels like to mm-hmm. be Ghana because I feel Caribbean but I feel the pride of Ghana in my spirit because I'm not a fool to believe that we just cropped up in Jamaica and then it started there. It was not that, you know. So I guess when it comes to like what when you think about being Ghanaian, what comes to mind for you? What feelings and memories and mm-hmm. yeah, what res what what kind of things surface for you? Oh, I get emotional. Mm. Like it's 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 everywhere. It's it's in me. I I can't shake it. Um, so many things come to mind. Sitting at the dinner table, or like in the garden, dad telling stories of like the old religion and um and spirituality and and how his granddad experienced like things and and spirits and mommy water and and Nancy and just like stories that were just like make my imagination so wild and I just be envisioning them all and and he'd seen them like and these are things that I think that is an interesting thing to talk about because I think that so much of like African religion is so demonized now even Mm. though like that like was our innate thing and still to this day people know that it exists you know and that comes to mind just sitting at the dinner table and my dad kind of like writing the tree letters and sticking on the wall and trying to ingrain that in us from a young, from a young age and like Sundays peeling onions and garlic and ginger for like and staying in the kitchen till God knows when because mom was like making stew for the week mm. or jollof for the week and and then also like the times that I do go there, it's still so vivid in my mind, like going to see grandma and sitting with my cousins on my grandma's porch and having coconut and hating it. <laughs> and just like, yeah, see my cousins and people that look like me, but like, would just call me white, brawny. Um, it's so, it's still so vivid and fan ice in the back of my uncle's car and my dad, like his uncle was kind of rich actually. So Ooh. just like going up to the mansion and seeing my grandma and sitting on her lap and lying to her that I loved for four more than I actually did. <laughs> <laughs> I impress her. Um, and then pounding the fufu and just all of it. All that, of it. Dude, that's character building. Mm. That's, that's, that's the making yeah. of a person that can't be overlooked in the character development and self-esteem building of a black person I feel that like it's for me one of my one of my memories fondest memories actually there's two of my granddad when first and foremost he used to call me Maggie then mm. Maggie come <laughs> and um I remember walking into town with my granddad to go to the cambio to go and cash his, so he could cash his gyro, so he could get his peas from here, so he got his pension from here, that used to get sent over here. And, he had, and I was like, the cambio, you know? Like, that is such an ethnic thing. Money, gram, Money wire transfer. That, that's so Jamaican. Oh, my God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Of course, when they right. go to the stores. Right. That, the... That, right, the cambio was a little store like that with the money. And I remember that, walking through, I was walking through town, the noises, the sounds, the sensations, the things that I could see and feel. 
and then being in this hot, stuffy little place, and they got the grills all over the front, and then you hand over your little something. And I remember walking back with my granddad, and I remember there was another time when we were on the veranda shelling peas. Now, anyone that knows what shelling peas, doesn't know what shelling peas are. So imagine like um garden green peas, mm-hmm. for example, right? They come in the pod. They come in that long green jacket, right? Two peas in a pod. Now, when you're looking at things like pigeon peas, gungu peas, black-eyed peas, kidney beans, all of these different beans, they grow in Jamaica. And my granddad used to grow peas. So I think it was the gungu peas and we're taking it out, we're picking them off and taking them out of that jacket and then individually taking them, making sure they're good, putting them in the bucket, ready to soak. And it's those, that that's character building. Walking in the bush, you know, all of that is important for as black people to really connect with who we are. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to, so we were talking about Ghana, homophobia, What's the environment like over there? Because I know I've seen a few updates online. Um, I understand that the Ghanaian government have come under pressure and scrutiny for trying to pass certain laws and trying to hold things up. So, yeah, man, take the floor. Like, what's going on? Mm. Um, yeah. A lot of things have come to be. Um. I feel like I don't know it's it's a it's a difficult one I guess mm. in terms of like I guess keeping up to date so closely and also protecting mental health I feel mm. like in terms of like right now my sense of update and the immediacy of it mm. isn't as up to date as maybe mm. it should be um and it's a hard one and sometimes taking a step back and sometimes doing the work in other ways, whether it comes into my art or and sometimes like being very active on it. But a lot of things have happened. There was, I believe it was now 2021 in May mm-hmm. um, when the, yeah, when the 21 people were arrested. Um, they were, yeah. Ghanaian civilians, um, queer as well as allies. And they were gathered and kind of like going through like how to like protect yourself as like a queer person in Ghana. And then, yeah, police turned up and just unlawfully, yeah, they were just detained for months. And there was protests um, to release them. There was also the raiding of the LGBT Ghana center in in January, literally in January, I remember it. I remember hearing about it and just being horrified. And yeah, they finally had, I guess, like set up a safe space for LGBT Ghanaians to to go and to find rest, find community in Ghana in Accra. And um, yeah, police raided it, and then yeah, people were just like on the run for for their safety. Um, and then and then also just like, you know, being involved in the protests and kind of talking about like certain things and people coming up and I guess facilitating that space for people to come and share stories. There are stories that we don't hear mm. of people genuinely being attacked in the streets mm. for being queer. And, and you know, the, there's that whole thing of like, yeah, freedom and justice, God, is such a peaceful space. No, no, not necessarily not for, everyone. for everyone, you know? Mm. And it's in it's that it's, it's hearing this, it's hearing just this crackdown 
on queerness and queer lives when there are in the country that focusing on mm, you okay. know when we talk about you know pan-african liberation when we talk about what it means to be Ghanaian, what it means to be african what it means to band together i just feel like we're just so far left right now where we're just scapegoating certain people and we need to ask ourselves why like what is this focus what is the point what is the, the point what is the point and what does it bring what is it? Because I'm like, you man doing all of that, what are you ultimately going to achieve? This isn't going to be, it doesn't progress your your country any further. It doesn't progress the continent any further. It, it's sad, really. It's sad. And I think that, you know, if many people had the opportunity just to be asked this question, just as you've asked it, sit down and think about it. They may think, for real. But you know, when you're kind of, it's kind of learnt behaviour. Mm. You're taught what is important, what is a priority. Um, you're taught about the scapegoats of the world. And I think that we're put in that category often time, you know, ah, it's the, ah, it's the gays. You know, we, we're we the cause of a lot of things. And I say that in, in jest, you know. Um, and it, it makes no sense. And I would love for people to be able to get to a space where they can recognise that the math ain't mathing. The math, the math ain't mathing and question this shit. Don't just swallow up what people tell you. Don't be under pressure because the next man thinks. Be freedom of thought. Freedom of thought. And that's all I could ever pray for for um in Latin America. Big issues with racism, you know, issues of homophobia in the Caribbean. You know, maybe more so with colorism in homophobia, Africa. There's a whole bag. There's racism, colorism, homophobia, and a lot of things. And I'm like, I just pray for freedom of thought that everyone has that freedom to do that, and people have the the freedom to act from that space as well. Mm. So if someone is doing something that you don't rock with, that you're called to be able, I come from around here with that. You can't do that around me or challenge that and say, hold on, why? But why do you feel that way? And I think that's where you start to have that progression. Of, from freedom of thought, from the state, from the culture, from history, all of that, you know. But um, I'm gonna switch up the tempo a little bit because there's some things that I want to get into. I've got que- I've got questions. Um, so I want to quickly get onto. So we're gonna talk a bit about your career. Cool. Because I feel like there's so much there. There's so much to learn about yourself, your passions the essence behind what you do through this. So let's, let's, let's lean into it, man. Mm. So like the first thing that I found, um, I found really intriguing about your career. Cause as I mentioned in the intro, you're a person that wears many hats, right? Mm. And it was the modeling thing that stood <laughs> out for me. And I told you why, because mm. I, I, cameras make me massively insecure. Good God, they make me so uncomfortable. And I'm like, all of a sudden, don't know what to do with myself, don't know what to place, where to place myself. There's so there's so much shit going on in my head when I see a camera, right? So when I see that someone has an occupation where they are doing this on a routine basis, <laughs> and not only that, the pictures are lit. It's mad to me. It's absolutely mad to me. So I wanted to kind of ask you, what do I want to ask? How did you get into modelling? How did I get into modelling? It was an, a very interesting journey, actually. Um, 
I'd always loved, yeah, like dressing up and uh, yeah, fashion growing up, to be honest with you. Like, I think my parents, it's probably ingrained from them. I really think about like the way I dress and stuff and sometimes like, oh yeah, feeling like I'm, I look like my dad today and that's a very lovely feeling, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. boy vibes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like my mom was kind of like grew up as a seamstress and like um, that was like her main thing until she moved to the UK. Um, so I think that's just always been ingrained in me and like it's very much ingrained in like all of my my sisters, my you know, my family. And I'd always just wanted to get into it. Um, and then when I went to university, I was really great friends with Suleiman. If you're listening, hi. <laughs> hi, Suleiman. Hi, Suleiman. Um, and yeah, he was he was incredible, another black queer. Mm-hmm. Um and um yeah. He loved fashion, he loved creating. And there was one time where we went to his um his place, like where um we went to university in Leicester, I was studying psychology at the time, which was completely unrelated to what I wanted to do. And yeah, we went to his place and uh I saw this call out from this um brand called Marquise Amelda. And yeah, they were doing a call out for queer, non-binary, POC people um, and looking for models. And so, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about it. I was like, yeah, that could be really cool to do. We did this, we met up that day and when we went to his place, we'd accidentally matched and we were wearing double denim. (laughs) And then we were like, well, we need to take a photo shoot of this. And we were just like messing around, just being us, like being friends and just taking photos together in this like like, coincidental matching number. We took our photos, um, they looked cool, they looked sick. <laughs> we were very proud of them. And we kind of like, yeah, like just looked like this amazing duo. And then, yeah, I, I, I submitted it, essentially. I hashtagged, we didn't actually go to the casting because we were like, oh, do we go, do we go? Uh, hashtagged MA family, I think it was 2020. And literally the next day, they said anyone who is shown on our story is someone that we selected to walk for our like next show. And we were the first people on the story. <laughs> we were the first no people on the story. And literally, like, I think it was like a few days after we were walking their concept show. Marquise mm. uh, Amelda, Portuguese kind of based brand, but also in the um, London. Walking their concept show and like, yeah, like cool magazines like Vogue. And, um, <laughs> I was talking about Vogue. <laughs> talking about Vogue. <laughs> Because I've seen you. I've seen... I, I, damn. It was incredible. Because I think it was um, Vogue Runway, right? Yeah, 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 I've done London Fashion Weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here with a massive smile on my face, lost for words, because mm. I can't tell you what it meant to me mm. to see you in that space, knowing all that you represent so boldly like you're not hiding yourself Mm. or having to shrink yourself to fit into spaces like you're there deserving appreciate that like earn like an earned position um being you nothing fabricated and i was just i guess i could say i felt proud Mm. i felt empowered i felt happy i was excited and I guess that like, what did that moment mean for you being able to be a part of that opportunity? Um, 
it was magic. It was magic. And I think that I move through the world as much as I can because there is so much to be angry about, right? Mm. But there is also so much wonder to be found and to be had and to be celebrated and 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 people are to be celebrated this world it's to be a place to be to celebrate and to, mm. to feel and so I, I always move through life with that and trying to keep that as much as possible I always say to myself I just don't want to die before I die like I don't want yes. the world to kill me before I die like before yeah. I actually you know pass or and or anything like that and like so, Nikki says to live doesn't mean you're alive boom Mm. No, I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. Yes. Hey. Yes. Hey. Yeah. You know? Mm. <laughs> had to. <laughs> we had to. We had to. <laughs> what? <laughs> so yeah, no, it was it was it was such an incredible moment. Um it happened twice, which was really cool as well. So mm. 2020 and then again in February 2021, but it was for like their autumn collection, like two days before I turned. Want to say twenty three or twenty two? One of them. Yeah. Um. It was. It was a really cool moment. It feels like almost like you know the the graduation week where mm. it's like you gear up to the world's this moment and it's so cool and there's like bright lights and everything, but then it's over and so quickly. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like that. You're just go. You're going down the runway and then you're walking towards the cameras and you kind of like have to like kind of face the cameras and like make sure like. You know, voiced all of those things. Mm. The cameras are like flashing, and there's all of the magazines there who are capturing um, the collection and the the runway. And then you walk back and you you take it all in and you try and savor it because it's a cool moment. Um, Very cool. And then yeah, it was it was it was really amazing. And I think my favorite was probably um, in in February. Um, when the collection was celebrating Euphoria. So I wore this big denim burgundy jacket and I had my afro really large at the time. Glitter on the on the eyes. Um, really just did that twist out good. Mm. <laughs> that, um, the day before, really prepped it. Um, and it was so cool because I, I love Euphoria as well and the soundtrack was playing in the background. It was, it was, it was really, it really, it was special. And, and, and I try and I'm trying to move into, I'm moving into spaces more and more understanding that like, yes, I deserve to be there. And I think that's something that I I used to be like, oh no, no, it's like, oh no. But like, no, we do deserve to be, but all of us do. Like, that's something that I think I'm trying to move out as well. Like, we're often told, oh yeah, like it feels like a lot of things are gatekept, right? Mm. And it's true, like there's some people gatekeeping it and like, it's um, it's not about gaslighting us or black people, it's harder, mm. right? But like when you deep it again, this is going back to the social construct thing. Everything is a social construct. Yeah. Like, why is it that we can't enter those spaces? Well, who who says we can't? Who says we don't deserve it? Mm. And and why is it that it's so like elite that no one can can enter that space as well? And so I'm trying to understand that like I do deserve it. We all do, you know. And listen, if just on the back of slavery on its so on its own, we deserve it. Period. You say just that in itself. Listen. Let I tell you something. There are some people in life who make it their lifelong mission to remind you you ain't shit or you ain't supposed to be here. And I think that's part of that. You know, we were talking about gaslighting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 the other side of the reality of when you're there's people outside kind of insinuating or directly saying 
you ain't supposed to be there. But then when you're there, there are also people that host that energy in that. And I think it's a crazy, it's a crazy space to navigate. And I think that knowing who you are and having a really solid network of people around you, both personally and professionally, really helps that. Really helps to to be around people that remind you that you're that bitch. You're that bitch. You are. What are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, do you know how much you've had to go through from the moment that you dropped out of your mother's womb till now you've earned this black people are a miracle talk we're a goddamn miracle we here are. we are do you know what <laughs> that is a status in itself that that is such a state we are a god we went through the most vicious one of the most vicious processes of extermination and you know what I'm gonna say? Still here. And we'll always be. Always, you know. And I, I think it's important that just on that point that you you were saying there around remembering you remembering there's a space for you and you don't have to become anything else to fit that space. Mm-mm. Just you you as you are, with all of your glory, with all of your wisdom, with mm-hmm. all of your fabulosity and all of your flaws, mm-hmm. you still deserve to be there. You know, and I think that that was super important. And I wanted to um, also tap into the debut piece. You know, you said you've been doing a lot of theatre, mm. um, a lot of writing. And um, I watched a really, really cool piece a couple of weeks ago now, the lyric. Can't remember what the production was called. I'm terrible, guys. <laughs> but it was a comedy. It was fantastic. Um, and I watched back in February another amazing production which is around black history um quite sad in some ways quite sorrowful but beautiful piece beautiful mm-hmm. to see black people in acting expressing that script bringing that script to life but um i say that to say this year i have been around i've been been in the theater and i've not been in the theater since lockdown and i grew up in performing arts and theater scripts rehearsals group sessions, I live for them. I absolutely live for them. So I've got to understand mm. how how your work, this particular project became, mm. what it is, mm. what your plans and intentions are and how you're going to go about doing it. Go for it. I need to hear. I've been <laughs> itching to get to this part. Um, Ooh, do we go from the beginning again? Of how we got here, or do you want to know about like the the play itself? Yeah, I want to know about the play. So, like, what was the inspiration behind you developing the um the play? Because I know that this play could be an idea for a while before mm. it comes into wow. fruition. So, what was the trigger? For, let's start with what was the trigger point that made that kind of thrusted you into bringing this to life? What is it, and what has been the process so far in bringing it to life? Right. Um, I'm a person who is very visual as a person, but I also, yeah, I'm, I'm a person who starts with imagination first. Mm-hmm. And I feel like imagination is the first step and it's already done. Like that's how I try and, that's how I move through the world and try and move through the world. I'm very visual as a person. I envision it in my head. And I think the first time I'd ever envisioned it was in university, I was studying, again, something I don't study, <laughs> doing psychology. 
And that's where I started my poetry journey, actually. It was at Uni-Slam. I'd, I'd, I'd done Uni-Slam, I'd loved it. I was in a team of poets in Leicester and representing the University of Leicester. Done it for two years, started entering slams. I was winning slams. And mm. I, I don't think it was, yeah, I think it was when in, in 2019, in January, I just become semantic slam champion in Leicester. And I was really excited. And I was thinking a lot about the stories I was talking about and the things that I was writing about and queerness. And I was like really grappling. I think at that time, I hadn't come out to my parents. Mm-hmm. I have now. Interesting. <clears throat> and I was really grappling with the idea of coming out to them and how I was going to do it and, 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 and coming to terms with myself because at that time, you know, interesting, but I was, yeah, I was Christian at the time and I was really trying to understand who I was and, and, and coming to terms with it. And I was like, surely, you know, the narrative is it's not, it's un-African. And at that time I was still grappling with that. It's un-African, it's un-African. I was like, surely there were others. Surely queerness has not just started from this point. We haven't just popped out like yeah, randomly. Yeah. We've been here. 1999 was the year. You know? Imagine. <laughs> Like, surely we've been around. We've done been. We've been here. And I was like, there must be queer ancestors that span. Mm. Really. Oh, God. Queer ancestors. That's powerful. Time. Mm. And it was that. It was like, I want to write something. I want to. And it feels like it needs to be extended. And it will remember. It was like probably 2019 because that's when I graduated. I think it was around, yeah, that year. I was like, I need to, I need to dig. I need to find proof. It needs to be longer. It needs to be extended because something like that doesn't feel like it's just a momentary, like like a poem. Or maybe it would be a series of poems, but it felt like it needed to be extended and it felt like it needed to be rooted in community. So fast forward, um, yeah, some really important um, moments in like like my career, I guess, like that has led me up to this point had happened. I done roundhouse um, poetry, um, got into the finals, and then I kind of had done other programs like Roundhouse Poetry Collective. I got to um, BBC Words First, and I got to the finals of that, which was really exciting. Twenty twenty now, it's during lockdown, and I that was one of the things that kept me alive. I have to say, I think especially yeah, just being queer, realizing I was non-binary, being in a home where that wasn't completely understood. Mm-hmm. That was keeping me alive and keeping me going and writing these things that were allowing me to put my feelings in places. And I think that concept had been on my mind for a really long time when we got to the finals. The theme was protest. Mm. I was like, well, what other protests could there potentially, there's so many protests, there's so many things to protest about, so many issues that need highlighting. One of the things that was really on my mind um, was that concept of queer ancestry. The fact that we have always existed. And so I went on a very intentional journey and trying to manage work at that time and trying to manage everything, but really just needed the, needed to know that this needed to be done. And I knew that I needed to be done. And so I started digging and after work, I just kind of like, yeah, research and research about like pan-African queer ancestry pre-colonially as well as like during like up to like the colonial era when it came to like um yeah the 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 people that were actively fighting against it 
So I found out about, like, I'd heard on the grapevine about King Mwanga of Uganda, um, so from um, Uganda, um, modern-day Uganda now. And then one of the people that will stick with me forever is Njola Nzinga, um, who was a tender fluid monarch um, in now what is um, present-day Angola, who was leading the 40-year, like, siege against like colonial power um mm. you know people that were trying to take over the portuguese um and then i also talked about ghana and i, I was learning loads of different things i was reading lots of different articles of the galva tribe the Nzima tribe and i'm pretty sure the akan tribe there's so much that and i i think that's what's really interesting as well is like in this research the people that are <laughs> documenting it are white people at the end of the day, mm -hmm. or hopefully, you know, some black scholars as well, but like there's so much erasure. And so I'm learning and something that has, has been really important in my practice, not just in the show and creating the show and thinking about this poem that I'm talking about, but also in just like different other projects that I've been involved in and publication and, and, and things like that most recently, where I'm learning that the archive in itself can serve, no, reimagining the archive can serve as an archive in itself because there's so much erasure yeah and yeah, so yeah. sometimes by envisioning by starting from research but then envisioning using black consciousness is sometimes a place where we have to go through because the lens in which we are receiving what is what is the archive of of blackness is often through a white lens mm. and often has been so yeah. erased Mm. Do you know what I mean? So how much can we truly trust the lens in which we are viewing ourselves? Yes, 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 yes. You know? Yes. I fully hear you. I fully hear you. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that poem I, I, I read and I researched and I, I found out also that there was proof of Ghanaian queer ancestry and queer ancestry period. And it was just a, the, the concept of the poem was a time traveling spirit who was experiencing what it felt like to embody and to be in the bodies of these queer ancestors throughout history and what it meant for that spirit arriving back into their body in present day. And so it kind of stuck with me and like, it was like, it felt like an interesting way and arguably surreal, but arguably just spiritual way to like experience what it meant for our history as queer people, as queer black people. And then it carried with me and came to 2021 ending now. I've always had a dream as like, when I came to London, I was like, so many big dreams <laughs> as a as a fresh fresh graduate um of, of just doing art full time and I was so determined to and I'm so glad I stuck with it because consistency is so key um so key and yeah 2021 now roundhouse resident artist appl applications start and I put through my idea I say I want to do a joint residency both music and theater put forward my play and I've envisioned it um, very clearly of what it looks like and, and what the synopsis is and again I'm such a visual person so it's also clear in my brain of how it's going to look like I, I put forward my my proposal and um, and I also tell them about my EP about idea for music and then they invite me and I do my interview I mean my audition and then I become resident artist and so that's how now this this theatre play has gotten a platform to to be and I guess yeah you asked me what is the the synopsis and what is the kind of like um the idea it, it is essentially that um I guess yeah I, I don't want to give too much away sure. but sure, sure. at the same time I'm like I want to talk about it so the concept is and it again comes back to like how I was grown up and like an ancestors and spirituality that I has been ingrained in me from such a young age 
So the concept is there's a character called Abner. Who is that? Who knows? Who could that be? I don't know. I have no clue. Um, and Anan- uh, Anansi, god of stories um, that is shows up in so much of our heritage, is like across waters, um, essentially transports um, Abner to pre-colonial Ghana and pre-colonial Angola. Um, and the whole concept is that Abna is kind of like experiencing, it's set in the context of like, you know, the homophobic laws, that's the social political context of it. They're really frustrated in their, both their home life and their, and, and social life in terms of like the social political context as well and experiencing homophobia and transphobia and all of those things. And, and yeah, um, Anansi takes, transports their, their soul. Um, to pre-colonial Ghana um, and Angola and, and shows them what has always been. So it's a celebration mm-hmm. of queer ancestry, queer joy, queer black joy, um, spirituality as well, which is something that we don't often talk about and, and, and celebrating that and digging and reimagining and um, and also showing that we have always been and the, the actual import that is Western is homophobia. And it's, mm. it's, about, it's about celebrating all that we are essentially. And where, when, when, when t- firstly, when a ticket's going to be released? They are released now. What? Yeah. Good God. Hey, listen, <laughs> where, where can the people then find the tickets? Uh, people can find the tickets on um, the Roundhouse website. So cool. if you go to what's on, you will find Sankofa. It's called Sankofa before the whitewash. Um, it has been Arts Council funded, which is really excited. That's um, that's a real achievement. Yeah. How next? This is the first place I'm announcing it properly. Yeah. Congratulate. So, I, I the application process is grueling. Good, uh, sit, yo, homie. Mm. Congratulations on that achievement. Thank you. Seriously, Thank man, you. I know the effort yeah. and how meticulous you have to be with being able to express what's in your mind and on your heart onto a document with word count. It's, that's that's it's hard. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, so what's uh what in terms of the actual dates? that it's going to be showing, um, have they been set yet? Or if there's tickets, there must be. Yeah, so I think what's also important to note is that it's during the last word festival of, mm-hmm. of the Roundhouse. And it's also, I guess, like, as resident artists were, yeah, we're building and creating these ideas and, and bringing them to life. And it's also going to be debuting, but it's also debuting as, like, a work-in-progress performance as well. So it's kind of like R&Ds and kind of um, research and development, mm-hmm. um, rehearsals. It's going to be like a like a either two class or three class um, performance on. It's going to be on the fifteenth of June. So there's only the one. There's only the one for yeah. now. Yeah, I better get my tickets. <laughs> I I I I yeah. get some tickets to see. It'll be great yeah. to great to see how it comes to life. Mm-hmm. You know, and like we are. We've got got a twenty minute stretch and time time has flown, man. And oh God, I wish this is where peeps. I need a studio in my house, <laughs> or I need my own studio where I can take the time that I need because it's never enough. It's an, it, these conversations mean so much to me, and I take so much out of it. You know, um. So I just head into the last section. I've another musician. <laughs> I mean, we cannot ignore that at all there was no way um i would let you come here and we're not going to talk about it because i know you've been doing a lot of work recently a lot of performances there's a lot of dates where you've been making appearances doing a variety of things you know so let's kind of lean into 
the musical side, mm. you know. So, firstly, if I were to throw it out there, who are who? Which musicians in, have inspired you the most? Things so hard. Mm. Mm. Good. Wow. I honestly mm, never. I I could I can't. I couldn't play. I mean, I know that, and I really was thinking a lot about my influences a lot recently, and. Again, when we go back to the kitchen, mm-hmm. <laughs> where I'm helping my mum in the kitchen with the onions. The music's ringing out. Music's ringing out, and the music is magic. Mm-hmm. FM. That's mm-hmm. what I grew up on, and then Capital, I guess. But And also, like, realizing probably that, like, my first kind of, like, initial understandings of music and what, what really fed me, and this is, like, a realization now... Well, it's happened so many times where I've realised, but I don't think I've realised how it's probably affected how I perceive music and and how it comes out in the music I probably write. But, um, yeah, like, I grew up on Quidra Entry and, like, a lot of, like, Ghanaian songs and and they were all so, like, light and, and open, actually. And it's so interesting that that's how I often describe, like, my own music. Um... And if, and I also grew up in church and and gospel choir and so I I adore harmonies and layering vocals and and that's kind of like how I started off kind of like performing myself because I didn't I wasn't classically trained you know being creative was not encouraged at home and stuff and so I had to like claw to like do the things that I loved and really fight and build and and believe that it was gonna you know lead to something and 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 brief be fruitful and so yeah like I'd, I'd layer my vocals and I'd or I'd just sing bare like acapella like on stages but who else influences me I would say that that definitely influenced me gospel choir Michael Jackson of course Mike Gro- Jackson. you know for sure um oh Whitney Houston I would and Beyonce, of course. Like I would literally print the lyrics. I, I, oh, Leona Lewis. If I'm talking about like the people in British culture that mm. affected me for sure, Leona Lewis. I was obs- wow, bleeding love. I in the sick like that king, bleeding yeah. That king. Hey, that Listen, song went anyway. It was everything. I mm. loved Leona Lewis. I loved a lot of songs, and I love a lot of ballad singers. I have gone through so many phases. I've gone through, like, I love Coldplay. I love um, Florence and the Machine. Like, a lot of indie stuff growing up. The Fray, Daughter. Um, but I also was really, like, went hard on R&B. You know, I was just listen- literally, like, belting the lyrics of, no, I'm not lucky. I'm blessed moment for life. Like, mm-hmm. everything. I think I listened to so many different things growing up. But I think that I'm really understanding that, like, and Emily Sunday, Sam Smith, like, mm. oh my goodness. That, that. Oh, Emily Sunday. Emily Sunday influenced oh. so much of my life. What about that? What about Emily Sunday? came out recently as well. What? Yeah, it's clear. Oh, it's like, we knew. We knew. We knew. We knew. We low key knew. I mean. So, like, what would you, would you place your sound in a genre? I am learn I'm trying to. It's hard to, but I think that's the thing. Like recently as well, like I'm I'm learning that like so many influences come in. So I uh, these days, like the things that I've been trying to like encapsulate it as is like I know that like 
people like Florence and Machine, Coldplay, all of that really influenced me. And I also know that I really, really deeply felt so connected to ballads and soul, mm. and, you know, loud, mm-hmm. like, you know, that kind of like, I don't know, soulful sound. And so I think if I was to put my kind of like influence into a bracket, it would be, it would be like, you know, okay, Emily Sunday, kind of. Mm. Emily Sunday's sound, but also Chloe and Halle's old stuff. Like the kids are all right. Like really chanty kind of like overlaying vocals and soulful in that sense. But then Florence and the Machine. So like open, open sound, soulful. Like that's how I feel like my stuff. I want it to feel like open air, like alt soul, open air. I was talking about open air. I was just going to say that's giving me, that's giving me festival vibes, but black people. Vibes. Do you get what I'm saying? It's giving me 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon with the people them Mm. having a picnic. Vibes, yes. It's giving me driving to Brighton, wax and rhythms on. Mm. Do you get me? That's yeah. that's that's, that's where that's, that's how I want it to feel. Mm, mm, it, it it reads. It mm. feels. It, I receive it in that way, mm. man. But um, but in terms of like music, you know, what are some of the things that you'd say you're most proud of in terms of what you've been able to achieve or mm. experience or just partake in? Mm. Wow, music is the love of my life. Like mm-hmm. truly, I feel like. I'm so proud of all of the things like I've achieved in terms of career and poetry and like, you know, being a poet, make writing this play, all of it and, and getting to the points I have now. That that means so much to me. But I have to say, now gigging my music and performing my music and that being as active and will continue to build and be more active, that I feel the most whole as a person that I've felt in a really long time. Because it was the, it was the, it was, it, it was the essence of me. Like, even though I was the shyest, the shyest kid, like I'd barely spoke in school. You would find me, I'd, I'd dig up some sort of like, like the courage to, to get on that stage and to sing a cappella. And mm. it's like, ah, like, it's just, mm. I've, I'd, I'd always, I've always loved music and singing and it's, it's my heart and soul. And so I guess yeah, like that in, in, in that in itself, just doing it now and and doing it now is like a really a big achievement. But I I think I also just have to big up like Common Sound, my music fa- my music family, like they. I was telling like one of them recently, Jess, um, that like yeah, just like coming to Common Sound, it's every two weeks on a Wednesday, going to that every Wednesday since like summer of 2021 like gave me the confidence to be like yo like and believe like I'm a musician and I am and that you know um so that and being a part of a group of musicians and people that just love music and we go and we improvise it's just it's helped me so much as a person it's helped me so much as a musician so I think that would be just like a major thing is like taking a chance and being like yeah I deserve to be a part of a community I deserve to have this as an active part in my life and they have just played such a big role in that um but also I think I'm I'm really proud of my my past self for getting on stages and and being like, I don't have anything else. All I have is my voice. I'm gonna sing a cappella. Like that, that I, I'm really deeping that. That was so, I was so 
necessary and I want to say brave, but just I'm so I'm I'm so grateful to that version of me that was like, yo, like, we're doing it anyway, just raw voice, you know? Huh? That, like, do you know how lit that is? Like, in my faith, yeah, it says just come as you are. Mm. You came with what you had. You came with what you had. And I think if that in itself is not the golden nugget of this whole episode, mm -hmm. for anyone who has got an interest or a desire to get into anything or explore anything, you feel like, Perhaps you don't have enough resource mm. or finance, mm. or maybe you yourself feel like I haven't got the things that I personally need to bring what you have, bring what you have, and you will be shocked at what you, at what you can do and how deep you dive to access what you have and to bridge the gap from what's missing. You will find a way and you will never lack. Even if there's something missing, there will never be something lacking in what you create. Um, and there's always, always also remember progression. There's room to grow into all the things that you desire and all the things that you can imagine, but just come as you are. Come as you are, because you know what? Like when I was starting out in this, 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 this creative, all the things that I do, like I, like to as many people, I crazy. Like my, my, my family didn't completely always understand it. They were yeah. like, what is going on? Like why? What's going on with this person, right? What is going are you okay? Are you? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, is this is this a creative revolution or is this a breakdown? <laughs> Listen, it was hard. I had to say to myself every day, it's gonna make sense in the end, Avner. It's gonna make sense in the end, babes. Like keep going. It's gonna make sense. Like keep going. I swear down, it's gonna make sense, and it's finally clicking, and it's making sense because you know what? We only have one take at this life. We uh, genuinely. That's it. That's it. It's a one. Yeah. So live it, like feel it, feel everything. Fuck, it's hard sometimes, but right. feel it all. I've been running from that. I've been that's a whole nother conversation, but I'm only just starting to feel and it is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Everything makes me feel something that I cannot control. And it's mm -hmm. wild, mm -hmm. especially as a math presenting when, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a culture of suppressing and minimizing and just flexing. You can't flex on your feelings. Oh, that's a vibe. You can't flex on your feelings. Peeps, you can't flex on your feelings. You got to face them. That's a whole line. You can't flex on your on your feelings. You got to face them. That's a lot of alliteration there. But anyway. We love it. Poetry. Yeah, but as a poet, I'm just living for this. Yeah. Do you know, but guys, I've got something special. Something very special. Something very meaningful. Uh, and is going to share an offering that... I have no idea. I, I'm I'm in this review, man. I'm sitting alongside you, man, and not knowing what's gonna happen. So, you know, I'm just gonna create this space and say, homie, do what you gotta do. Instantly felt it. in my chest. You may not know this, but I lose it when you're smiling. Call me a dreamer, crazy insane, but you're on a replay every minute of my day, but I don't know what this is going or if you feel the same, I know it's when you're near me. Fades, so would
feelings I can't run from that <laughs> firstly how does it feel how does it feel to be able to release such mm, beautiful beautiful sounds how does, how does it feel it feels like home it feels like home it feels I always feel so much lighter when I sing it's um yeah it's the it just feels like home it feels I like a big tell. hug and I just yeah Feel like I'm flying. <laughs> Truly, you you brought me with you wherever you went. You took me. You took Appreciate me. It. I was sitting there, eyes closed, just vibing and just taking it in. And mm. 
you know, thank you for that. You know, genuinely thank you for just thank you. being present today, mm. um, sharing. Mm. It's been a phenomenal conversation. I mean, peeps, who knows what, how I'm even going to summarize this episode. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. it it's, it's wild, but, mm. you know, it's been absolutely incredible. And I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even asking. I'm telling you, you're coming back. You're coming back on the I'd pod. Love to, um, I'd love to. Continue. I think there are so many, there, there's room and pockets for some really meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and peeps, you know, the podcast is, there has some pending changes. Mm-hmm. I've spent the past year being really fortunate to interview and have conversations with some phenomenal people um, within our community and supporters of our community. And mm. I love that, but I'm going to mix it up. I want to get into discussions. That There's quite a few people that say, Meg, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your opinions mm. on things. We want to hear you talk on things. So what I'm going to start to do is to introduce, bring guests on, but we're going to talk on topics and mm. we're going to get into it. And I think it would be lovely, a real honour to sit down and unpack some things. You've got a wealth of knowledge that you can share with all of us. Um, and I love I love the back and forth. I love the conversations. Mm-hmm. I love the agreeance and the not agreeing and the alignment and the miss. I love all of that because mm-hmm. we are not a monolith. Mm-hmm. But um, before we wrap this up, tell the people where they can find you. Oh, you can find me. I'm most active on Instagram. So my artist name is Abana Issa. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at A-B-E-N-A underscore E-S-S-A-H underscore. Um, you remove the underscore for TikTok and Twitter and you can find me there as well. Also wanted to say that mm-hmm. this, uh, the sharing of the song today is, I guess like what we were talking about coming as I was like layering the vocals, but uh, right now I'm currently working on my EP. So it's going to be like that is mm-hmm. essence will be there, but like different elements will come through as well. Instrumentation and all those things. So Definitely stay tuned. Count Meg taught there's a space mm-hmm. for you to, to promo so mm-hmm. when things are dropping when there's content send it over i'll be happy to kind of promote it on um reels and stories and stuff like that for sure because that is the truth do you know what do you know what it kind of how it made me feel mm-hmm. the only artists well not the only but the two the one that jumps to mind do you know a group called ashan no okay. spell o-s-h-u-n that's it Thank me later. Okay. Thank me later. You're going <laughs> to vibe with it, but it made me feel that way. And they're incredible. So that is, it speaks to the to the richness of what you do. So um, what, you know, when we post up the content and so on, I'll make sure we put all of your handles in mm-hmm. so people can just find you super, super easy. And then that's it. But guys, you know where to find me, Meg Talks Online on the gram, megtalksonline at gmail.com. Send through if you've got any comments, feedback, you want to join the conversation, you want to come on the podcast, hey, hit me up, mm-hmm. hit me up. But um, on that note, I just want to extend my gratitude again for you guys. We've just hit, just hit the one year milestone and I'm not sure that I even believed that I, it would get this far. And I tell you something, peeps, I'm not going nowhere. I'm not going Boom. anywhere. <laughs> so um, I'll catch you guys next week. Abana, manners and respect for coming through. And I'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>